What's our word? Margin. Margin. Right. This is week three. What, what was week one? Financial. Finances. What was last week? Emotions. Emotions. What's this week? Plans. Power and repetition. If we repeat it enough, you remember it. You'll never forget this, right? It'd be like we are, and you'll use the word around the dinner table quite frequently. Um, question for you. Let's open up a question, a little discussion time. What were your life plans as a child? Come back when you were a kid. You said you dreamed about life, and you had plans for your life, and you thought this is what life would look like as a child. What were your plans? And then maybe a follow-up. Did those happen? Or do you look back and say, man, that was some silly thoughts. They're just plans for my life when I was a kid. That was really silly. Or maybe it did happen. And what were your plans? So what were your plans for life as a kid? Be exactly like my dad. Which was? Uh, working at a place called DLM. Makes dog levelers. Uh, welding. Driving a truck, being outside all the time, hmm. and none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> we were outside all the time. Yeah. Look at the trees. I had plans to be like Dad, which is probably not an uncommon thing uh, that we imagine our life based upon the man who has the most influence in it, right? What else? What were your plans for life as a kid? Did they happen? Are they silly? Looking back? I wanted to have a pretty house with a white fence and I wanted an orange tree. I don't know why, but I wanted an orange tree and I was going to be a babysitter and I was going to live next door to my mom and my dad. <laughs> and none of that? No. None I don't know that. why I thought it would happen. They're divorced. They were divorced then. I don't know why I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you're like a sort of babysitter. Yeah, I kind of yeah, happened, I guess. Do you have the white picket fence? I do not. No, not yet. Not yet. We <laughs> bought some tangerines though that are on the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Plans for life when you're a kid? I remember just always wanting to be a mom. Like, I just remember. Hmm, check. <laughs> That's how I remember as a little kid. Like, I just always. I don't know if it's because there was like four younger brothers and sisters and that I always was kind of like the second mom to you. I just remember always saying, I just meant to have a lot of kids when I grew up. <laughs> so my plans for life when I was a kid had nothing to do with kids. <laughs> In fact, on up into my 20s, I had not even fathomed the concept of having a kid. It never even crossed my mind uh, until I got married with each kid. I'm like, oh. Now I can think about having another kid. So, uh, never on my radar. I can't even remember having the kid conversation until Shelly and I started having it. I'm like, she's like, how many do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I never thought about it. Probably none. <laughs> so, yeah. I had plans to be a vet when I was a little kid, right? That was my that was my vision for life. I want to be a veterinarian. That's because I love animals. Um, when I realized I had to put them down. Uh, two things that kept me from being a vet, the fact that you don't always help them, but sometimes you have to put them down. That's kind of traumatizing. Um, number two, science. <laughs> I can't do science. I'm awful at science. <laughs> and when I realized that I had to like pass chemistry, I couldn't even pass high school chemistry. I think I had a D. 
So um, once I hit high school chemistry and realized that was a fail, uh, no more veterinary. Looking back, uh, I am far from anything I had envisioned for my life as a kid. Far from it, right? Who else? Anybody else? Looking back, can you remember? I was going to be an NFL bitch warmer who just took the beating but made lots of good money. <laughs> I was going to build a neighborhood for my entire family and put their favorite restaurant in it and staff it. This was really and, in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to I was going to put a massive fountain in the middle of a gated neighborhood. The neighborhood was going to be every single one of my family members in a big circle. And everybody was going to get their restaurant of choice in it and their entertainment of choice, whether it be movie theater or bowling. You're doing all this on a bench warmer salary? This on a bench warmer salary. I think they make like 300 grand a year. <laughs> You're going to have to learn financial margin in order to stretch that out a little further. Uh, so we still need to have that dinner. It was about the family, though. I was yeah. just, you know, that's cool. You know, you know, beat me up in practice and I'll take the money. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So let me ask you a follow up question. Uh, what are your plans for life now? Alright, so when you envision uh, the next 10 years of your life, what do you envision? Next 10 years. With having kids, you want to raise good kids. So it's probably the goal is to yeah. raise the kids and then go to jail. <laughs> How many more kids do you think you're going to raise? Uh, at least one more. At least one. <laughs> Start with the one that's in the womb and then we'll go from there. Raise good kids that are beneficial to society and stay out of prison. Lofty goals. We'll, we'll see if we can help you get there. I don't know that trend so far, but yeah. What else? What are your, what's your 10 year plan right now? Like I have kids. Okay. Two raise. Okay. To be good parents. <laughs> That's on the radar. Okay. You gotta stay at home when you have those kids. You're gonna continue to teach when you have those kids. Well, I don't have kids yet, so things might change. But yeah. I would like to keep teaching. Okay. So that uh, becomes part of my ten-year plan as well. <laughs> 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 I like to still be doing music in some capacity and helping lead worship. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Something along those lines. What's your 10 year plan? Maybe. Just, yeah. Well, since you feel like I called you out, we'll call you out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, 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 I don't uh, I don't have a 10 year plan. Yeah? I don't have plans for. The next year. You got no plans. Mm -mm. Which is an interesting concept because this morning you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to be hopefully compelled that, that I need to have a plan. Because if you don't have a plan, then you're probably not going to accomplish anything. You'll, you'll succeed in it. Uh, number two, um, maybe you have a plan and you need to find a little bit of margin in it. Right? So you may find yourself getting shifted one way or another this morning, but I hope you don't leave in the same position you came, right? That's really, really the hope. Um, odds are that most of you, most of us, in the next 10 years, our 10-year plan, uh, odds are most of it will seem silly in 10 years. So if you were to write it down today and stick it somewhere that you'll see it in 10 years, 
and go back and look and say, 10 years ago, this was my plan for life over the next 10 years, odds are, 10 years from today, you'll look back on these plans and say, that was completely silly, and most of it didn't happen. Some of it might. General direction, maybe your kids are still out of prison, maybe they're <laughs> 10 years older and a little bit more productive, maybe you do have children. But if you really get specific and say, I'd like to accomplish this, I'd like to see this happen, I'd like to be doing this in my career, I'd like to be doing this with my family, living here, achieving this, growing into a new season, and you just lay out maybe some markers that you'd like to see taking place in your life, odds are, 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, you know what, that was lofty and noble, but it looks kind of silly from where I stand today. Right? Odds are pretty good that that will be your reality. Um, question is, are you okay with that? Are you okay if we gather 10 years from today and you look back and you say, man, all those plans were really silly. Are, are you okay realizing that what you're pursuing today, wanting to accomplish today, may shift and detour and go a completely different direction? Right? Some of you, your kids being in prison, I mean, that may not be the detour you want to see, but... <laughs> Right, the number of kids, direction of our family, financial situation, you know, all these things. A lot of our plans revolve around family and finances. You know, your career, your home, your location, your number of kids, size of family. A lot of these are where our plans revolve around. Maybe I want to have a family. Maybe I want to find a wife. Maybe I want to get married. Maybe I don't want to get married. Um, maybe I want to have this job, that job, or this raise, and that raise, this position in my company. I want to get up the ladder and do these things. I want to get a job. I want to get one in the field that I'm pursuing and planning on being a part of. Are you okay if none of your plans work out and 10 years from now you're in a completely different place? It's an interesting thing to think about. It's... It's, it's over the last 10 years, so if, if you rewind my life 10 years ago, that's exactly what happened. If you rewind my life to 10 years ago, uh, over the last 10 years, here's a 10-year recap of my life. Uh, I achieved a, a college degree in the last 10 years, um, which 10 years before that I dropped out of college and thought I'd never go back and went to work. And then 10 years later I went back to college, and now 10 years later... I look back and I got a stinking college degree. Holy cow. One of the most unthinkable things in my life because it was never on my radar. Um, but now I've got a college degree. When I started college, I had zero kids, and when I graduated, I had three. Now I've got four. I was pregnant with Jesus. Can you graduate yet? So, started college with zero, graduated with three, now I've got four. Um, over the last 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, this week we celebrate Micah's 10th birthday and I'm sitting here with four kids. 10 years, who thinks in 10 years you're going to go from 2 to 6? Nobody thinks that. Um, except for Shelly, she wanted to have a bunch of babies. Uh, in the last 10 years I moved into my grandparents' home. 
Ten years ago, we moved into my grandparents' home. Next door to my parents. <laughs> Except for you, nobody has that on their <laughs> That sounds great. Weirdo. No, nobody says, and said, ten years from now, I want to live next door to my parents. That's like backwards from all stuff. You guys just... Right? That's <laughs> your 10 year plan. Get away. Well, we actually did move next to his parents. In the last two five years. <laughs> in 10 years, let's look at my career path in 10 years. 10 years ago, I was a HVAC guy installing, working on air conditioners. And we thought that was the rest of my life. But in 10 years, I've gone from being an air conditioner guy to a youth pastor and a worship leader at a church. And I went from being a youth and worship pastor to pastoring 12 people in a 100-year-old church in rural Arkansas. I accepted a position of pastoring 12 people in a church that was dead. Gone. Should have closed the doors. But we received an invitation to come be their pastor. And I spent a year with those people. That was after we were in a church that was five years old and we helped it from birth to the point that we were at. And we went from church planting, exciting, free, do-whatever-you-want ministry to 12 people in a 100-year-old church, don't do anything you want. That's where we went in our 10-year process. We left that and I went from ministry to run a lawn crew. So I was in full-time ministry... Left it, and now I'm running a lawn crew for my friend's landscape company. How's that in your tenure plan? Right? Most people feel like that's backwards. Then I went back into youth ministry, and here we are meeting in a house. Meeting in a house for worship and teaching on a whiteboard. Take me back ten years ago, and let me tell you my ministry plan. In ten years... Can I say I'm in the place that God has put me with 100% confidence and I'm in a living room? Can I say that 10 years ago? No. No. But can I say that today with the utmost peace and confidence that we're doing exactly what God's put in front of us? Yes. And I go to sleep every night and I'm at peace and I'm at rest, trusting the process and saying, whatever you want to do, God, it's good. But 10 years ago, this would have been the most absurd vision for life and ministry that I could have had. Right? Ten years ago, all this happens. And we're meeting in houses and I'm running a design slash construction business. I went to college and got a degree. And most of the time when you do that, you do that with the intent on being full-time in the thing that you pursue. But I went to college and got a degree so that I could teach and meet in the living room and run a construction business to feed my family. Not the 10-year plan. Not the 10-year plan. But it's good, right? I sit here today and I tell you my 10-year journey, not to say that I'm in a place that I don't want to be, I'm saying I'm in the place that God has put me and I had the freedom to get here. I had the, the, the margin in my plans to get in line with what God was doing and not what I had set and planned to do. Right. What's what's our equation for margin? 
Limit. Minus load equals margin. So whether it's finances, emotions, or our plans, there's a limit, there's a capacity, there's, there's the top amount of money that you have available, the amount of emotions that you have available, and the amount of planning that you have available in your life. You can set so many plans, and you've got that limit, but then you've got the load. This is where you're currently operating. If you've got $1,000 a month, and you've got $1,100 in bills, you have negative margin. You're, you're not only zero margin, you're upside down in margin. But if you got $1,000 a month and you're spending $700 a month, you got a $300 buffer margin that you can be generous with, that God's blessed you with, and that you can be a blessing to somebody else. In your emotions, you've got to limit emotionally. And emotionally, there's a cap on what you can handle. And if you operate under that cap, then you're in a healthy place and Two things happen. Unexpected events or circumstances in life come your way and you have the margin built in to handle those things without flipping your lid. But if you're operating constantly at your emotional limit, then if anything unexpected happens, you're done. You shut down. Life is over. You go to bed and you don't get up for three weeks. But also, if, you've got, if you're operating under your limit, then when opportunities come your way to be a blessing to others, then you have the emotional capacity to recognize it and move into it. I'm convinced that this is one of the primary reasons that the church is ineffective in our community. Because we're operating at or above our limit emotionally or financially, and God puts opportunities in front of you all the time, but you're so overloaded you can't recognize it, and even if you do recognize it, you don't have the capacity to move into it. Because it's another burden on your day, and it's another thing that's going to overload you. It's going to be another annoying thing that just triggers you into going over the edge. Right? If the church were healthier financially, and if the church and I'm talking about your family, your home, your budget. If your financial budget and your emotional budget were healthier, then you would be more influential in your everyday life. And here we go today talking about our plans. That same thing is true for our planning. That same thing is true for our planning. If we're always overextended um, in our planning, then we're not going to be flexible enough. We're not going to have that margin built in to take advantage of opportunities to be a blessing in the lives of others. When we're a blessing in the lives of others, we get to move people closer to Jesus. When people move closer to Jesus, we're fulfilling the purpose that we've been put here for. Right. So what's our position? Remember our sports analogy? What's our position? Ready, ready position. Right? It's the ready position. Whatever sport you're playing, this is right. The ready position. Knees bent, feet apart, Hands ready. You're ready for whatever. You can throw a ball at me, I'll catch it. Put a ball in my hand, I can throw it. I can shoot it. I can dribble it. Put a tennis racket in my hand, I can hit a ball. I can go this way. I can go that way. I can go up. I can go down. I'm ready. So in basketball, what's it look like to overcommit to a plan? I was teaching Brant. I was helping Brant's team, coaching them yesterday. So if I'm guarding somebody in basketball, remember you shuffle your feet side to side. 
Everybody remember that? Shuffle your feet side to side. So what that is, is you're planning on guarding them, and if that person who has the ball is going this way, I'm planning on going with them. Now, what somebody who's not used to playing does, is you overcommit. And by the time you take this foot and cross this foot in order to attack the ball that way, what happens when the person goes back the other way? You're done. Yeah. I got a free shot. Anytime you overcommit, you think you're being aggressive by taking this foot and going, because you go faster than you can if you're just shuffling. But anytime you take this foot, cross this foot, to attack that plan harder, that person has a free shot and you can't guard them. You overcommitted to your plan. You're done. You're out of the game. That's the way it is in life. You've got a plan. You're so committed to it that you're loaded all on this foot to attack that plan. There's no margin built in to cut back if God changes the direction. Right? You're overcommitted. You can't shuffle and follow what's going on. Look at two passages, two verses that have been influential in my life over and over and over and over. They're in Proverbs. <coughs> First one's Proverbs 16, verse 9. <coughs> Whenever somebody finds Proverbs 16, 9, would you read that out loud? A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. One more time. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Now somebody flip over to chapter 19, verse 21. These two verses continually resurface in my life under the same circumstances. So 1921, somebody find that? Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but the Lord's decree, the Lord's purpose will prevail. So what's it saying? It's saying that we have a lot of plans. We make a lot of plans. We have a lot of desires in our heart. We pursue a lot of things that come from us. And we Is it wrong to pursue our plans? No. Chase after them. Achieve great things in your life. But I think what the author of Proverbs is telling us is that we do it in the ready position. Because the plans of the Lord are the ones that are going to happen. Make your plans, pursue your plans, chase your plans, but understand that your plans don't trump the Lord's plans. And when you're pursuing your plans, you do it in a way that you're ready to respond to what God's actually doing. Okay? Pursue your plans, but be ready because God may have a different direction and it is He that establishes your steps, not you. He is the one that makes you land firm, not you. He is the one who accomplishes His purpose. Not you. And sometimes, even though we pursue good, we desire good, and what we're chasing is not bad, sometimes you will go into ministry 10 years ago, get a college degree, and God will put you in a living room worshiping with 20 people. And you need to be ready to respond. You cannot be so overcommitted to one activity that when God wants to accomplish another, you can't go with Him. 
Many are the plans of the hearts of the man. Many are the plans in the heart of man. But it is the Lord who establishes your steps. It is His decree that will be accomplished. And when we have margin left over in our planning, all that means is that we are not overcommitted to our own plans, but that we are pursuing them in a way that when God changes directions in our life, or when we have an, um, an, another opportunity to be a blessing, then in our plans we simply shift our weight and respond to the new opportunity. Make sense? Right? There we go. We're good. Um, Eleven years ago. So, ten year plan, minus one. Eleven years ago, I was working for an HVAC company, and uh, I was always, not in a bragging way, but I was always one of the most valuable guys in the companies that I worked for doing air conditioning work. I was always one of the best installers, one of the most trustworthy one of the ones that was sent out when you wanted a leader of that team, right? Very quickly, as I began to work in that field, I got put in charge of jobs and had crews under me. I remember being early 20s and having 40-year-old men working under me, right? Um, it was just normal. But 11 years ago, I got called in the office of my boss, and, and he said, I need to let you go. Just not a fit. Just not a fit. And he was right. Right? Because I had invested in that field for a number of years and I was getting better at it, growing stronger in my value towards companies. But God, in the midst of that, had shifted our direction towards being in ministry. But because I was overcommitted to one direction in my life, I wasn't willing to follow God's direction when He changed it on us. So what happened was, He changed it for me. Because many are the plans in the hearts of a man, but it is the Lord who establishes your steps. It is His decree that will prevail. And when I was unwilling to shift the direction of our life, God changed it for me, put it in the heart of my boss to let me go. And I remember going home that day, calling my wife and saying, I think I just got fired. <laughs> I think I just got fired. But it feels good. I'm okay. It's time to go to school. It's time to pursue what we knew God had called us to. We just hadn't been willing to move into it. Right? So, um, that was the last time that we had a two-income a, a two, uh, home. It was the last time we had a two-income home. Let, let, me, let me show you something. We had margin in our finances. Our house payment was less than your car payment. Pretty certain of it. Our house payment was less than, it was less than $500 a month. Right? We had that little two-bedroom house on East Conway Street that people like Zach and other friends came over and helped us get into. It was a POS. <laughs> 
Yeah, that helps. We have a podcast. <laughs> I love it too. After all our friends, <laughs> after all our friends helped make it happen, we loved it. But when we moved into, I remember taking Chancy over there, and I was like, Chancy, I need help re-roofing. We got some other issues. Need you to come look at? And he's like, Y'all are buying this. Okay, I'll help you. <laughs> but because on the front end. We loaded our finances below our limit. We always had margin in our finances from the very beginning of our marriage. So when God, when we had plans, but God had a different purpose, then we had margin built into our finances that we were able to stop pursuing this plan and begin to pursue this plan, right? If our house payment was three times what it was, like most of our friends was, then I would have told God, no, I can't afford to follow you. Can't afford to follow you. I know that's your plan, and I know that's your desire, but I'm overextended on my finances, and I can't afford to be obedient. That would have been my answer. But because we were positioned well financially, we had margin built in, it also created margin in my plans. I don't have to be overcommitted to a plan that is not God's will, because I'm not overcommitted financially. All three of these are tied together. All three of them are tied together. And if you haven't taken the last two weeks serious enough to make shifts in your life, this week is irrelevant to you. Because if you don't shift these two, then this one is still locked in and you don't have freedom in it either. But if you're willing to make shifts financially and create margin, create margin emotionally, you will naturally have margin in your plans. Okay? And I'm still... In- the whole margin thing, even back then, I'm like, I, it is not the grace of God. I feel like that we did have that because we weren't on a budget. We did right. not live by a budget. It wasn't our own personal business. We just, yeah, that's, I'm like, it's not the grace of God that that actually happened. Because I'm like, we were not, we were not being wise necessarily in our spending. We just knew we couldn't afford to spend the house at that point. <laughs> we got married. I was still in college. And, so. and by God's grace that he sent friends to help us mm-hmm. make it livable. Right. Um, so, without, with a low house payment, without any car payments, without any of all those things going on, we have, we have, because we had financial margin, we also had emotional margin. When you get fired from your job and you have no financial margin, your emotional margin is out the window. Why? Because you're on freakout mode. Right? <laughs> Been there recently seeing all these things happen there's an unexpected thing in our finances then all of a sudden our emotional margin is over the limit we're out of it and we're locked into whatever plan a was and we can't go to plan b god i don't know what you're planning on doing here but my plans trump your plans i'm overcommitted, not ready to follow you i'm out okay pretty natural equation that happens here um Question. Can you recall a time when God presented an opportunity but you felt like you could not say yes? Right? It's like you're going this way and you're like, oh, I feel like God's put this in front of me. But I can't go that way right now. Can you remember those? I can give you a recent example. Um, You know, I've been searching for a job for a long time. And uh, I was—I really, really wanted to work for this company in Bryant, this accounting firm. 
And, um, you know, after I interviewed with them, um, when I thought that they were going to make me an offer, um, a recruiter from this national firm uh, reached out to me on LinkedIn. And uh, I ignored her. I didn't respond to her because, you know, in my head, you know, I'm going to go with the small firm in Bryant, um, and it's going to be great because, you know, it's in Bryant. I can get to it in 10 minutes from my house, you know, whatever. Don't really care what this national firm is, you know, offering because they're not going to want me anyway. Um, and, you know, then I got turned down by the firm in Bryant. And so after about two weeks, I, I messaged the uh, recruiter back from the national firm. Um, and now I've had four interviews with them. Um, so... You know, I wasn't even open to them because in my mind I had, you know, this other thing um, that, you know, didn't happen. Yeah. You put your right foot over your left foot to pursue one opportunity. You're no longer open to what God really wanted to do because you overcommitted to that plan. All right? You can recognize it. Is there any other times that you guys, like, you know what, God put something in front of me, but I wasn't positioned in my life? To follow him in it, I had to tell him no. Um, moving here. Okay. I was not, uh, I did not, I didn't have the emotional capability to process okay. that. And that was not my plan. Mm-hmm. It would, I was never anything that I wanted to do. Like, no, that's not, that's cool for other people, but that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it worked out, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If your fiancé comes up to you and says, Hey, we live in Monticello. I think we need to move to Benton to be a part of this new church thing that's going on. What? (laughs) You just exceeded my financial, emotional, and planning margin. Right? It's going to take a little while to rebuild that so we can have this conversation again. (laughs) Right? Um, But that brings me to the follow-up question. It's like, is there a time that you recognize through this conversation, I did have a plan, but there was an opportunity God put in front of me, and this is a time that I was able to shift. Do you remember any of those times? It's like, I was moving, but God presented, and I was ready to follow. I can reflect on back when I worked um, in Little Rock. And been there three years, and I was just like, I just got to the point where I was, uh, that that job emotionally drained me so much, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the stress from that job. And I just remember coming home and like, God telling you, and I'm like, I'm just going to pray that somebody calls me. Like, I don't want to pursue looking for a new job, I just need someone to come to me, I'm going to pray that they come to me. And I just, that was my like flippant, if God wants me to move, even though I hate this, and I'm going to be here anymore. And then... Just like a month or two later, I get a phone call from Wyatt Ferguson asking if I'd come be his buyer and designer at Ashley Furniture. And I remember telling Josh, being like, well, should I even go talk to him? He's like, are you kidding me? Like, you specifically, and it's like I specifically prayed, and out of the blue, I get a phone call from him on my cell phone from him asking me to come, come work for him. And I just, I reflect on that, and it was like, oh, he, he put a desire in my heart, and then he, he accomplished it. But then at the same time, God took that job away five years later that was not in the plans. <laughs> Plan that, don't stay in there forever. Yeah. And that was hard. I was not, and I know without a shadow of that, God did that. Didn't know we were going to have two more kids after that one kid. 
you know, but I just I reflect on how he gave it. I, I can look back and I'm like, he gave me that job. And at the same time, he presented a, I had to either come back to work full time or I had to, to leave. And I knew, I knew God was closing that door and he was like, you're going to, you're going to trust me, even though I don't know how in the heck we're going to survive financially. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. Um, you, uh, there's two types of plans. Two types of plans. We just talked about the first one. Long-term plans. Right? Long-term plans. That's your 10-year plan, whatever. Anybody want to take a guess what the other type of plans is? Short-term. Woohoo! <laughs> you guys, you're so smart. Short-term planning. That's the other types of plans that we have. We have long-term plans and we have short-term plans. We've had a lot of examples, a lot of conversation about what the long-term planning looks like. Um, but when we talk about short-term plans, we talk about everyday life. So let me ask you another question. What are your plans for the next 10 hours? Right? Plans over the next 10 hours. You're smiling. We got to go get stuff for a new apartment. We got to drive all the way down to Monticello to swap vehicles. Get my car back, drive all the way back up, go grocery shopping, and then organize an entire apartment. We got a lot of it knocked out yesterday, but lots of busyness. A lot of us, even if we can't answer the first question on our long-term plans, we can answer the next question on our short-term plans. Even if we have not made plans, we have plans. We've got bullet points in our brain constantly. Once I finish this, I'm going to go do that. And we've got that. Should God present an opportunity, opportunity for you to be a blessing, are you regularly, re regularly ready to let Him determine your steps? So think about your 10-hour plan. Are you regularly ready should God present something over here even though you are going over there? When it comes to your 10-hour plan, do you have a regular pattern of being available? Having margin in these plans to say yes to a new unexpected opportunity? Whitney shared with us last week about the new neighbor, and we talked about emotional margin. Somebody moved in across the street, but I've had a little bit of a stressful week. I'm yelling at the kids. We're fussing. We're fighting. We're doing all these things. I don't have the emotional capacity to go invest in that new person. But then we talked yesterday on our run. Another new neighbor moved in and said, I gave them my one minute. That's what you described to me. I thought that was awesome. I gave them one minute for two reasons. My time and their time. I did not have. Well, <laughs> oh, that's your time. That's your time, right? But I never changed my ten-hour plan. I've got my ten-hour plan. I'm like, 
no matter what, if somebody else tries to interrupt that plan, I'm like, no, no margin, no margin. But he used Looking to not week. stop jogging to talk to people, and since you stopped, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. that one time he's like, wow, he stopped his this job, is... so now he stops his job. But, but let's replay this. Mark recognizes that we've told this story way too many times, but it, I think it's the simplicity of our influence in everyday life that because. I did something simple like ruin my pace, which was really slow that day anyway, so I, it looks like self-sacrifice that I stopped my run to talk to Mark for probably 45 seconds that day. I was on a run, stopped, talked to him, greeted him, new neighbor, got to know his name, told him my name, blah, blah, blah. And then what's funny is because I had margin in my plans that day, it changed your 10-year plan. This wasn't necessarily in your plan. And there's influence in our everyday life. If you've got margin in your 10-hour plan, to you're going this way, but God puts somebody in your path this way, and if you're able to stop and shift what God's actually doing instead of what you planned on doing, you can shift the long term of somebody else's life because you were willing to shift the short term of your own life. And it's not always that profound. It can be a greeting to a new neighbor. You see that? So 10 hours. Do you have a regular availability in that time slot to say yes to what God puts in front of you? Now remember, if we don't have this and this, then you're not thinking with this. Right? So we spent two weeks preparing, pre preparing for this. Do you regularly have margin there? What's our... You've been blessed to be a blessing. Anybody remember like four weeks ago I said something? You don't remember. Your emotional margin's lacking, so you don't remember what we talked about four weeks ago. <laughs> now, do you remember? Your blessings are rarely, if ever, about you. The blessings God has put on your life are rarely, if ever, about you. He blesses you. You've been blessed to be a blessing. Now, the funny thing is, if we don't build in margin, financially, emotionally, and in our plans, we cannot fulfill the purpose for which God has done such an incredible work in your life. What He did to you now wants to be through you. The problem is, we're overbooked. And even in our 10-hour plan, we cannot fulfill the purpose for which we've been blessed. To be a blessing to somebody else. Hmm. We can be overcommitted to our own plans, but we can't allow God to determine our steps. We can be so committed to our own plan that Proverbs 16.9 is not a promise for us. 
Many plans are in the heart of a man, but the Lord establishes your steps. You want to wonder why your steps are so clumsy? They're so hard? Because you've exceeded your margin. And the Lord can't establish on solid ground your steps. Increase your margin, increase your stability. Increase your margin, increase your influence. Okay? It's an incredible, incredible overarching impact in our life. So here we go. Application. I'm going to put a link to this on our group me. If you like a paper version, you can do that uh, for three bucks. If you like an online version that's sufficient for you, you can save two dollars and get this for one dollar. If you have financial margin, you can buy this for one dollar. <laughs> Unexpected expense in your life, but you're you're prepared for it because two weeks ago you created a margin in your finances, right? If you don't have margin in your finances for a dollar, I have margin in my finances to give you a dollar. No excuse. So here's your homework. It's called 21 Dangerous Prayers. It was put out by uh, the Converge group that we're connected with. Um, there's a Kindle. Kindle app free. Doesn't touch your margin. Just touches your data or your your storage on your phone. So you need margin in that too. Less than money. Um, Kindle app is a dollar on Amazon. I'll put the link on there. There's five questions. Here it is. It's a 21-day prayer journal. 21-day prayer journal. And on the front end, I was like, eh, it's going to be kind of cheesy. I don't really like following other people and things like this. I'm a bit of a skeptic. But after I jumped in, I found value. I found value in this. Every day, there's a, there's a verse and a, a couple paragraphs. They are what they are. But these five questions, you answer the same five questions every day. The same five questions every day. Repeat every day. And I want to let you know, I've been on this 21-day prayer journal for about a month and a half now. I do it about every three days. So This is not a burden on your day. If you do it every three days, it's still valuable. The questions are this. What am I learning? What am I learning? I just write down what I'm learning, either from what I read today or what I'm learning in my life right now. What am I thankful for? What do I regret? Who do I need to pray for today? And this is where it gets very practical to our conversation. The last question every day, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do today? And here's the funny thing, that's not a very overly spiritual question. Right? But every day that I do this, I write down the things that I need to do today. And here's what happens. It's my 10-hour plan for what I need to do today. Interesting. I can fill up my day and still have margin in my plans because when they're in front of me, I realize that God put an opportunity with a new neighbor in my life. I can go meet them, but I'm going to have to scrap something on my 10-hour plan. Right? And I can look at my plan and say, you know what? I need my car back. So we're going to have to make that trip. But you know what? My house can still be unorganized for one more day so that I can be a blessing to the opportunity God put in my life. When you write your plan out each day, you recognize the things that I can't, I can't budge on. And you recognize the things that are marginal. And I can do them today. 
or I could take advantage of an opportunity that came my way. Instead of having this one hard, fast rule that says, if it's in my list and you're in my way, you're screwed, right? You see the things. And this is, it's really rocked my world, right? It really has because it's, it's showed me the margin that I have in every day. It showed me the things that are important, the things that could be done, or the things that could be set aside so that I could be a blessing, so that I could be influential when God gives me an opportunity. It doesn't mean I'm not doing anything, because I'm moving that way, and I'm accomplishing those things, but God puts an opportunity, and I'm positioned to go back. Right? So for a dollar, I'll pray that God ruins your world like He ruined mine, with these simple five questions every day. They're not profound, but they've had a profound impact on the way I view my day. Okay. So I'll put the link on the group me. And here's a here's a warning. There's a good chance that this will resurface over the next few weeks in our discussions. Okay? There's a good chance. <laughs> There's a good chance that the further discussions we have on Sunday might have something to do with this. Okay? So here's the bad thing about being in a small church that meets in a living room. When the pastor gives you an application and you don't apply it, then you come back unprepared the next <laughs> Sunday. Right? So, I'm not saying you have to do this seven days a week. I'm not doing it seven days a week. I may get two in every week, right? But if you'll implement this, I think we'll have a lot of value to, to move ahead with on the following Sundays. Make a plan, but let God determine where your feet actually land. That make sense? Make a plan. If you don't plan, you plan to fail. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> you will succeed every time. Make a plan, but plan to let God determine where your feet actually land. Okay? So pursue your plans in a way that you're always ready to respond to what God's actually doing in an unexpected direction. So some of you didn't read your group me this week, and here's your 10-hour plan. <laughs> if you read your group me, you built in margin. If you didn't read your group me, you're freaking out right now. It's like, what's the opportunity God's put in front of us? Well, Zach and Tiff have had a lot of generous people come over and help them over the last number of months. Um, but if you look at the threshold into their bedroom or the doorway over their bedroom, there's some just little things that have just kind of been unfinished. And I was like, man, we're going to have a group of people in their house. Why don't we just like work on their house while we're here? And let these things that have been kind of nagging go away. Right? Like swatting flies. One less fly, one less nag. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, whenever we decide how many people are going to stay and, and help us kind of check these items off, we'll also figure out how many we want to go buy food for. And we'll get some food, feed everybody while we're here, um, and do those things. But we'll get to work on checking a few of these small items off. If you're like, I'm not handy... I don't think the tasks that are left require much handiness. Um, a little direction, and I think you'll be good to go. And uh, 
we'll try to help them out and not make more nagging things <laughs> after we leave. So, right? uh, but you may look at it and say, dude, I got a 10-hour plan. <laughs> and that wasn't in it. <laughs> well, you got a chance to apply the message today. If you leave, we're all no, just kidding. We're not going to judge you or talk about you after you leave. No, we really won't. We really won't. We really won't. Uh, really won't. Because there's some things on your plan that you just got attacked. There's some non-negotiables, and we understand that, right? We do. Uh, but if you don't, and you have margin to stay, then it's a good time to hang out as a family. Good time to serve each other. Uh, and you may get a taco out of it. So, um, anybody got any closing comments? Anybody got anything that's just rolling around their head? I was going to say, just like I've been, I'm usually back there with the kids, so I haven't got to sit it, sit in here a whole lot. But it's just been really neat to seeing like you guys open up your home, and just over the last few weeks, just like Sean and everybody just open up their homes. As we've always been the ones that have hosted, it's, it's been really neat just to come in here and just. See this and see what God is doing, and um, just um, it's been a blessing. So I said to come to other people's homes and and share in all hospitality and stuff. I've just uh, I see I see a lot that God is doing. Just that might not quite be visible, but it's just I, I see God working. It's really cool. Just seeing that. You scratching your head thinking about yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's just certain happenings in my life that this falls right along in line with. <laughs> I was a technician at Landers Toyota for a long time, and you know, that's, I went to at high school, I went to college to, to do that, learn that trade, and uh, some people left and went to the Remington Ammunition Factory all the way out in Lolo, and. The guys that left with my friends and they called me, hey man, I think you really like this out here. I'm like, I'm like, well, I don't know, I, I'm pretty committed to this, you know, this is what I, I'm still paying student loans, I'm learning to do this, and I'm, I got my master certification and all this stuff, you know. I'm a team lead, I got some guys working under me, it's going pretty good, you know, right on track. And so, it was about a year, they all worked over there, and I, I just kind of, I don't know, you know. Well, finally, I, like, well, maybe I'll try it. And uh, so I went to work there and they put me on a crew with the uh, wheel in the back of the thing. When I was a mechanic at Landers, I didn't lead a real few, I mean, this is, I'm ashamed to even say this, but if you looked at me on a day to day basis, you wouldn't think I'd ever been to a church or was a Christian or anything, you know? I just wasn't living that life, and uh, I went to the factory, and that was, I mean, for me, I was like, man, I know this this business, I'm, I'm good at it, you know, I'm doing this, and uh, I went there to do that, and it was all new, I had to take tests, and get hired, all this stuff, and I'm like, I already did all this, I got a good job, I don't need this, you know, anyway, I went to work, they put me on a crew with some men that, these guys, they, they live their life on a daily basis as a Christian, you know, and it totally redirected me. So I kind of resisted that direction for about a year. And finally, went. And God still got you there. 
<laughs> but the cool thing was, it wasn't even your long-term path. It was just a detour that God wanted to do a work in you. Right. And then shift you back in a new way after he'd already accomplished his purpose. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because he's no longer there either. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Looking so, back on the site. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. We're going to pray, and uh, then um, whoever's left will kind of get a material list, and we'll also get a food list, and uh, do whatever we need to do. And uh, if you can stay, stay. If you can't stay, uh, not a problem. Really, no guilt trip. No guilt trip. Uh, cool. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you're doing in our life. Um, God, maybe there's some of us that, that look at this uh, today. And we're